Well, hello again from A Voice in the Distance Ministries, and today we're going to be venturing into chapter 3 of Leviticus as we're going through this book of, uh, of instruction. A book of holiness, a book of of what God wanted from the people during that time. You know, if you follow along, along in Exodus, uh, this was written right as Exodus had already been completed. So now that the Exodus had been completed, some things have been established. The tabernacle was built. So now God gives the instructions on what to do from here. And if you've ever built a church before, um, if you ever ask God, now what? You know, do we just go and say, well, okay, let's do our own thing now? Uh, no, that's not what we want to do. I think that's been done too many times, which is why we are seeing so many church doors close. We want to be making sure that we are seeking God's instruction on all things through prayer, through his word, and through the guidance of those that are in your ministry of leadership. But always seeking God, seeking God's word, and seeking him through prayer. And and though again that we're looking at some some ancient Levitical, what some people would say, well these are Jewish things, they don't pertain to us. Well, some of it yes, some of it no. And again, that's the that's the whole journey of this book that we're going to go through is to make sure that we you know we cover we cover all bases. We're going to cover every basis of the Bible. You know, I have a saying that if God gave us a Bible, he didn't give it to us for decoration. He, he gave it to us to go through the whole thing. If he didn't want us to have certain books, they wouldn't be in there. And so, nothing should be ignored. Nothing should be ignored. Because again, the book of Leviticus really pertains most of all to everything is, is in the fact of holiness. And what does holiness mean? It means set apart. And and that's what God was. He was set apart from everyone else. He was just giving us the instruction on how to be set apart as well. And uh, set apart from the world. Set apart from the pagan nations from next door. Uh, to when they would be entering the promised land of Israel. About 40 years later. So when we look at the Torah. The first five books. You know we're looking at about. You know. Um, well, at least from at least from the Exodus journey, we're looking at about 40 years worth of things that were going on, and 40 years worth of instruction within at least four books, because you know, we have the book of Genesis, which gives the origin, and so from Exodus on was pretty much a good 40 years of everything that was going on, and uh, 40 years worth of instruction, and, and again, all good stuff, wonderful stuff. Again, it's uh, to the Jews. This was a this was a gift to them, and, and really, it's a gift to all of us. This is the foundation. This is the the, the foundation of the uh, and the pillars here, if you will, of, of our Bible. And so, it is a great honor to be able to teach this book and every single book in here because it should not be taken lightly. And so, but what we're going to be looking at today was uh, we're going to be looking at what's called the the peace offering, or some people would call it a fellowship offering. It's either or. And uh, uh, last week we did the the grain offering, which is what I called a spiritual cakewalk, because that's exactly what it was. There was no blood atonement involved. It was all strictly in the forms of of basically baking a cake in in the form of thanksgiving in a, in a thanksgiving offering to God, saying thank you, Lord, thank you for the provisions. Like in the like, how he was providing manna for all those years to to two million people daily. So God said, "Well, I'll tell you what. Here's a way to return the favor. You can you can bake this, and and it could be in the form of a Thanksgiving offering. And and there's no bloodshed for this one. This is just strictly within the the, the form of a Thanksgiving offering. 
And this one, this particular here one in chapter two was typically performed by the women of these days. The, uh, the women were the ones who did um, the preparation and the working in the form of this grain offering. So now we're going to be looking at more, um, again, we're going to be getting into some more interesting and more uh, other details in regards to this piece or, or fellowship offering. Have you ever been in, out of fellowship with somebody you love dearly? friend, a relative, or, or somebody, and, and can you imagine, or can you remember how that felt to be out of fellowship with that person or those people? There was a gap. There was, a, there was something missing. And, and so how much more so with God? God is giving the instruction on how to bring that back. Look, I will receive you. I will always receive you, and here's how to do it. So again, this was very important to them. I said in the very beginning, of, and when I taught Leviticus in chapter 1, that this was the, probably the most important book in regards to teaching the, the male children. You know, this was the first book that they would teach male children when they were young and, or, you know, old enough to understand things. This was the, the, the beginning of their blueprint. And so we today, too, in, in, in our day and age, learn from these things. This is God speaking, so we should uh, pay very close attention to it. So we're looking at chapter 3 again. And I will start us off in verse 1 through 3, which says, When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. And then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. So now what we have here was an option for this sacrifice. Now typically for most of the sacrifices they were to be male and, and the firstborn male of the flock. But for this particular one it could be male or female. But nonetheless it had to be without blemish. Now when we see peace offering we can ask how and what kind of peace, right? Uh, some were done to make peace with God for the sake of atonement. But what we're seeing is sacrificing in the enjoyment or the ability to rest in the assurance of peace with God. So I, I wanted to kind of elaborate that now because a lot of people can have uh, different outlooks of, of having peace of sorts. Now, again, to elaborate, in, to elaborate on what is done today in the form of atonement with God with the Jewish people is not done this way anymore. People have asked, do, do they still do this in Israel? Well, no, this was done at the tabernacle. And then many years later, when Solomon becomes king, and the son of, who is the son of King David, he builds the temple, and it was done there within the, within the uh, area of the temple. But since the destruction of the temple, there has been no place for this kind of sacrifice. So now, nowadays, it has been basically uh, forgiveness through prayer and good deeds. Now, a much easier, less expensive, and less messy alternative, but nonetheless, was the, it was the instruction of a way to have peace with God. We can see later on during Solomon and another great king named Hezekiah that they actually did these things in the form of a peace offering. Uh, it was in the book of 1 Kings. When the temple was dedicated, Solomon, who was the richest king of all history, he dedicated 22,000 cattle and, uh, and 122,000 sheep for this. And then many years later, King Hezekiah, 
he gave uh, 2,000 bulls and 17,000 sheep in the form of a peace offering. Now, perhaps there is someone you have been at odds with. You know, you, you yourself wants to make peace with that person. And when you have achieved it, there was a weight lifted off of you, right? You, you could sleep better at night. You could, you could enjoy life a little more. But how much more important with God? Now, I try to build a bridge from then to now because that is what God did with the Old and New Testament. The sacrifice of Christ covered it all, including the peace that should live within us. He, he was sent to dwell among us. He taught us. He healed us. He raised from the dead. He loved the unloved and accepted the outcast. And to this day, Christ continues to do that. And by believing in him, by receiving him in your heart, is what would bring peace to you like no other. You know, God spoke to the, to the disciples of Christ and he said, This is my beloved son when he came down in the form of a dove uh, uh, upon Jesus right after he was baptized. And God spoke and they heard it from the clouds. said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And, and Jesus even said to them uh, when he returned three days later from the crucifixion, the first thing he said to them was, Peace be with you. And that was available because his presence was in the house. Now, this was the first alternative to have that peace with God, to rest in the assurance of, uh, of joy. And Christ thankfully brought that between us and God. This was the temporary way of this time, though. This was the temporary way of making peace and enjoying it, uh, of it with God. So let's continue here in verses 4 to 6. And it says, the, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove and Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice which is on the wood that is on the fire as an offering made by uh, by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord if his offering as a sacrifice of, of a peace offering to the Lord is the flock whether male or female he shall offer it without blemish now, there's one thing that I myself can relate to in this form of what is to be done. Uh, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a meat butcher, but I am a barbecue fanatic and lover. If you've ever been around a cookout with, uh, with some seasoned pros, or even near, one, uh, even near one somewhere, the smell is amazing. You know, I've been around the United States and, um, and I've actually hit some, of, uh, some places that were well known for barbecue. Uh, my dad and I, we were in Kansas City, Missouri one time, and we were driving around looking for a place to try, and we seen like three or four places right by each other. And I said to my dad, I said, well, gosh, which one should we try? And my dad said, let's go for the one with the most smoke coming out of it. I'm like, there you go, great advice, because it was actually one of the best places there that we had. The, the smell of the smoke is what lured us in. God was looking for that smoke of, of what was cooking, right? The aroma was a gift. These were his creations and the sacrificial animals, but this was also his method on how to do what needed to be done. I, I could see people thinking, I don't want to hear about this. Why do I have to read or hear about the kidneys, the flank, and the fat, and so on? See, God wanted the inner parts on the sacrifice just as he wants the inner parts of us being that of our heart. 
See, the, the fat was the choice parts. And, and when you're going to cook a slab of meat on a smoker, uh, some of the fat is left on it because it seeps into the meat, giving it the flavor. The, the, the flavor that we all love. And I'm a backyard bar- barbecue guy. I love to do this. And and when they would burn this up, it would signify burning the sins away as as well the unblemished sacrifice signified the quality of the Roma as well. And I'm 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 telling you, I remember uh I was drive or I was uh, driving to the airport in Atlanta, Georgia. And um I was driving uh, to the airport to go home, but uh, my goodness, th- I could smell this aroma that was absolutely amazing. And as I got closer, I saw who was cooking it and how badly I wanted to stop. <laughs> you know, and then I'm just like, my goodness, I wish I could have, but I had to catch a plane. And, and so I'm getting this, I'm getting this concept a little easier because of that, that aroma that they're talking about was a pleasant aroma, a gift. See, offering up our good and loving affection to God and our praises and our worship, our prayers is the modern day sacrifice to God of pouring out our inward selves without bloodshed. See, praise God by the sacrifice of our willing Savior. The lamb would be offered up in the morning, which is, this is typical in these days. The lamb would be offered up in the morning before any other sacrifices. Uh, The fat of the lamb was offered as an addition to it. And when Jesus came into the ministry... John the Baptist, who who was out there paving the way for his entrance, would say, John the Baptist introduced the Lord and said, Behold, here, there he is, behold the Lamb that comes to take away our sins. See, no one is accepted until they were reconciled to God by the sacrifice of the Lamb. And the Lamb of God, being Christ Jesus, came into the scene to say, I got you covered. And I got you covered once and for all. If I asked you, what is peace to you, what would you say it is? Now, we will see some examples in this in this sermon session, but let's look at uh, three things so far. Reconciliation, communion, and fellowship are just a few things in what we can see thus far. Many are in pursuit of happiness. And, and what is that to them? Well, many different views, but they those views can be many temporary and subjective views. Because when when something is no more in your life, like a bank account, a house, a lack of travel, uh, perhaps a friend or two goes away, and, and, and from there, so does some people's happiness or their peace. All of this is to bring all of this is is to bring one closer or back to God to restore the peace and happiness. That never fades because of his presence. And and when that happens, everything is good from there. Now we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11, which says, Now if he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And, the, uh, and Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood around the altar. And then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is, uh, it's fat and the whole fat tail which uh, he shall remove close to the backbone. And the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So the fat of the whole tail end 
uh, we see here was a pretty large amount. Now, this could typically weigh somewhere between 50 to 60 pounds. And really, it's, uh, this was actually considered a delicacy in some places. But, but there was something important to make known about these sacrifices. And, and there was normally a three-party, uh, a party of three involved, right? The, persons in need, the person in need of the atonement, number one, the priest, number two, and of course... The, the help of uh, which was in the the help of bringing somebody to God and God Himself was the third, a party of three in the system. See, we today we have communion, which we would like to call it the Lord's table, and it was it is for believers who celebrate the sacrifice of Christ Jesus and our place with Him. People ask, why did Jesus die on the cross? It, it was designed by God when, when someone sacrificed the, their unblemished firstborn male of the flock. It was to have their transgressions transformed into the sacrifice. And every detestable thing that is done on earth was cast upon Christ on the cross. Even though he knew no sin, yes, right? And yes, the pain was horrific beyond what anyone has ever endured. But the worst part of it was having these internal blasphemic sins cast upon him for your sake, for my sake, for every child that is born on earth, for their sake. And, and, and what, what happened here is, is that they would pray, and, and then again, they would, they would press their, hand, uh, their hands on the head of the animal, if you listen to the first chapter of Leviticus, I, I explained that, the, that they would literally press their hands on the head, transferring the sins into the sacrificial animal. And, and again, the reason why a lot of this was presented to the Israelites in the Levitical priesthood was because the neighboring countries practiced evil pagan practices. Right, The first commandment in the Ten Commandments was, you shall, you shall not worship any gods before me. I brought you out of Egypt. If you've ever studied mythology or polytheism, which is the the study of numerous gods, these made up these made up figures that people worship. They don't they don't love people. These gods that they created, they don't love people. They don't deliver or provide. And most of these gods are are technically gods of destruction and wrath. Now God has displayed that as well, destruction and wrath, because of man's actions. But he is also beyond merciful. We, but we bring these things upon ourselves, right? These foods that were used were given to the priest after, after the best was sacrificed. In other cultures, they would sacrifice something or at times someone being a human and dedicated to that God that really does not exist. To this day, certain religions around the world leave food or fruit of sorts in front of a statue. And guess what happens to it? Well, it's simple. It rots and it ferments. So we see why Leviticus was written because you have to know about why others do what they do in order for why God instructed these things. And really this was another form of friendship with God. A covenant of peace. God being your friend as well. And that is something that he should be your best friend. But when you are... With your closest friends, right? Think about it. When you're with your closest friends, that is also a peace that is felt because the presence of light brings peace. The presence of light and love brings joy. And God is the foundation and pillar of those things. Other things and people are added blessings. 
presented also by God. So again, look at Leviticus as the blueprint to holiness. That's what I like to say. Leviticus, the blueprint to holiness. Uh, 12 to 17 says, And if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hands on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer it from its, its offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks. And the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys. He shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food. An offering made by fire for a sweet aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This shall be a perpetual statue, statute throughout your generations in all your dwellings, and you shall uh, eat neither fat nor blood. So this begins with uh, a part of the dietary laws, kind of, that are in the book. We, we see God looking out for everyone. And he's also looking out for their physical needs as well as their emotional and mental and spiritual needs. You know, we today, we know the dangers of this stuff. We have health codes and so on. Well, God established the ancient day health department here. <laughs> and usually we do not recognize it, but this was the standard in how we follow many things today. The spiritual aspect on why it was not to be eaten was because, see, the fat was the best part. And that was dedicated to God. And why blood was not to be consumed in that way was was because the blood always represents life. So no one is to ever was ever to consume blood because that was a representation of life. And other cultures looked at the the fat of the animal as the best, as well as they did with consuming blood. Blood intake was done in rituals. But for our own health reasons, it, we look at the dangers in, 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 in cholesterol, tapeworms, and you know other diseases were very common. Uh, their health was definitely better than most uh, of their neighbors, as well uh, due to the standard of practice. Uh, I know someone who actually uh, he retired from the railroad industry. And he told me when uh, kosher meat was uh, when kosher meat was being transported by train, it would actually stop at a particular location, and the meat was inspected by a rabbi. And then the rabbi would actually take, like, say, for instance, he would take a hose or something personally, and he would be the one to wash off the meat right then and there to make sure that there was no blood on it, and and then they would pray over it, and then off it went. Well, and, and so we see that the, these things are still practiced today. And really, why not, right? I mean, precautions are always good. Uh, the, the best thing was done uh, last in praying over it. Removing all the blood is not easy so, uh, so much as humanly possible. It was to be removed. But looking at the big picture, this was given because God loved his people and wanted the best for them. See, the best for them was giving God the best first. We see that God is always looking out for our best interest. The Jews look at the laws as one of their most precious gifts. And when observed in its entirety, we can see that it was designed for them to, to move around accordingly, if you will. Now, for instance, right? who, who makes the traffic laws? 
Someone paves the roads, somebody designs them, and then speed limit signs are put up. When you're driving on a windy, crooked road, you're not typically going to see, okay, 70 mile, 80 mile per hour speed limit. If it was test driven, then someone knows the safest speed that you can travel on without killing yourself and others. See, the bottom line is God is good all the time, but God is right all the time too. And so is Christ Jesus, good all the time, right all the time. See, I've always said test the scriptures in your life and see how accurate it is. See the blessing of growth, the blessing of change and whatever else God has in store. But, but more than anything, receive Christ first as Lord and Savior because he is the author of the Bible and all he did was use men with a pen. <laughs> Right? That's all he did. He's the author. He, he's the author of it. He just used men with a pen. But he is not just the author of the Bible. He is the author and finisher of life. Our life. And, and this is the opportunity to take the hand of the one whose hands were pierced for our transgressions. So, this is what it came down to. Leviticus was a stepping stone, if you will, for a period of time on what they were supposed to do until the Messiah came. He would be covering all of these aspects when that happened. We live in that day to where we can say that, that I have a Savior, I have a Messiah. God sent him to die on the cross for our sins. And, and really, we look at this and say, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go through this anymore. This was a very messy, this was a very costly thing. But Christ paid the cost. He, it was a great cost. Like I said before, it was beyond just, just the beating he took. He, it, it was every wretched sin of the world cast upon him. You know, think think of an innocent child being punished, you know, severely and killed for something that they've never done. That's what our Lord and Savior was. But see, he did it willingly. It's not like it's not like somebody just came and said, "Oh, here, take take him and let's sacrifice him." No, he came willingly. He came willingly and and did what he did. So that way we can be forgiven of our sins. So that way we can have a place with him in eternity, in God's design. This was all God's design. You know, again, I'm fascinated with it then as I'm fascinated with the New Testament and on how he did it. And again, this is, this is bridge building, my friends. This is, this is what we're doing as, as we're building a bridge so that way you could see what was once on the other side to where you're at now. We no longer have to cross that bridge to the old side, but it's good to have that bridge because people are still needing to cross it to this side in order to receive the Messiah. So I pray that if you have been led by the Holy Spirit, no matter where you're at, there's a bridge that you can cross that will not crumble and he's waiting for you on the other side. And I want to introduce you to him by receiving him. You want to get to know someone, you speak to them, you call them. And you invite them in. So I want you to, to remember that. That right now what you're doing is, is you're, you're, inviting him in, you're inviting him in because he's been standing at your door for some time. And I'm telling you, it's the time to go ahead and open that door and let him in because we don't know how long we have. And we have just reached the year of 2020.
And so many things are going on today that we need our Savior. We need Him here. We need Him now. (laughs) We need Him to come. So as the time grows near, I want to invite you to take this opportunity to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, as your Father. And you can do that right now through a simple prayer. A simple prayer of receiving Him as your Lord and Savior and your Father. And then I recommend that, that when you go ahead and do that, and God allows, go ahead and get, go and get baptized while you're at it. The emerging of water. That is your, that is your representation of, of what you once were and you're the new man or woman now. But first you must receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And by doing that, you will now be a part with Him. And He will be living in you. So if you feel led, say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I receive you now, Lord, as my Father and my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for receiving me. Forgive me of all of my sins, Lord. And thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for having me. As Lord, as I now have you. And may I walk with you all the days of my life. And may I always be with you, Lord. And may when you receive me, may you receive me when my time comes. As I will be with you and you will be with me for all of eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, that is always, again, the most important part, right? <laughs> is, is receiving the Lord. Is, is taking Him and saying, yes, I want you. Yes, I want to be with you. He's been wanting you and waiting for you. And, and maybe He's appointed this time. So I'm hoping that you will, first and foremost, that you have received Him, that you will go ahead and continue to walk with Him. See, what this was done now was, this is this was just simply planting a seed. But every seed needs to be watered. And every seed needs to be watered and living in light in order for it to flourish and grow. So may you be watering, and may you be in light, so that way your tree will one day grow into something mighty. And so continue to, to pray for others out there, and, and for your friends and family as I am, and, and, and again... Go through this word together because this is how you're going to know and grow. And others will receive too through you as well as you lead them. So may God bless and keep you.